Hey friends, Stacy here. Before you listen to today's brand new episode, I wanted to make sure to come in and tell you that I have something super special for you. I am turning 55 soon, and in honor of my birthday, I decided to offer everyone $55 off of an in-person ticket to join me on October 27th and 28th here in New York City for Passionate and Prosperous Live. So this came to me the other day. It's a limited time offer. It expires at midnight on my birthday, which is August 31st. So if you've been thinking about joining me, if you're on the fence about it, if you really want to come to New York, but you were, you know, not sure if you could work it out, here's your opportunity to save $55 on an in-person ticket and come be with us. Come be in the room. It is high vibe. It is transformational. You'll get to be with all of the other members of the Passionate and Prosperous community. And I guarantee that you will leave totally inspired and with a strategy for how you want to go back and really make money doing the work that you love. The theme of this year's event is impact. So if you want to come and be in the room with the impact makers and with me, go grab that ticket. You don't need a code for right now. All you have to do is go and register and you're going to get that $55 gift from me for my birthday. I hope I'll see you there. Welcome to Passionate and Prosperous, the only podcast about creating success in your life and business by using your voice, gifts, and skills to do the work that lights you up, make money, and have massive impact in the world. This show teaches coaches, creatives, and service-oriented human beings how to trust in yourself and leverage your unique message, experience, and expertise to attract your ideal audience, create clients, and organically build your soul-aligned business. I'm your host, mindset and business strategy coach, Stacey Brass Russell, and I can't wait to help you to set yourself up for success and use your passion to create the prosperous life and business that you truly desire. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Passionate and Prosperous. We have a really special episode for you today because we have a guest. And as you know, if you listen to the show, I don't always bring a guest on. So when we have one, it is a special day. And my guest today is Naomi Vladek. Now, before I read you Naomi's bio and bring her on and introduce her, I just want to tell you a couple of things. We're going to be having a really, really deep and profound conversation today because we're going to be talking about change. And we're going to be talking about being brave and surviving the big stuff that happens in our lives and transitions. And all of this stuff that I'm just going to tell you right off the bat is actually why I became a coach. And so the other thing I want to tell you is that Naomi is one of my clients. And even if she wasn't one of my clients, I would be bringing her onto the show because she just wrote a book called Bravery and Creativity. And we're going to be talking about that book. We're going to be talking about her work. And I really, really hope that by the end of this episode, you leave with that passion and prosperous inspiration that I know you all let me know that you feel at the end of every episode, because I know that many of you 
struggle, we all do, with balancing like how to do our meaningful work while also navigating the ups and the downs and the trials and the tribulations and all the shit that happens in our lives. And I think by the end of this episode, you are going to be like ultra inspired and you're going to be ready to go out and do all the things that you want to do and know that it's all possible. And as you know, we end every episode with life is hard. So what are you going to do about it? Right? So um, Naomi, I'm going to introduce you. I'm going to read your bio and then we're going to really kick it, kick it. Okay. (laughs) We're just going to kick it. So Naomi Vladek is a certified life coach devoted to advancing the work of independent artists and creatives through her company, Creativity Matters Coaching. She has been working with and around independent artists for 30 years as a planner, performer, nonprofit founder, and as a life coach. She holds a master's in performance studies and a certification in mindful leadership practice, both from NYU. The experience of her husband's alcoholism and death led to her writing debut, Braving Creativity, Artists who turn the scary, messy, thrilling path of change into courageous transformation. Naomi has a gift for turning crisis and confusion into courage and clarity so that artists can become the creators of their lives. In the spirit of embracing big change, Naomi just sold her home, sent her daughter off to college, and is about to embark on a book tour to take her coaching work to as many artists as she can. When not traveling to ice hockey games with her now 15-year-old son, Naomi is dreaming up ways to inspire artists to embrace change and find the courage to create the life and work they love. Welcome, Naomi. Thank you, Stacey. It's so great to be with you. I'm so happy to have you. And, you know, obviously uh, what kind of, you know, what, what, what prompted bringing you on at this very moment, you know, cause I think that I would have had you on the show no matter what, but what prompted bringing you on this very moment is this very, very exciting event in your life, which is that you've just published a book. So, um, let's start. Yes. Um, <laughs> Naomi just held up her book for the video. We'll see if it makes it into the real, but we will make sure that everyone can see the cover of that gorgeous book. Um, so first I, I want you to, I want to give you the opportunity to just first tell us how does it feel? I mean, the book literally just came out. I, it's not even out in, in, in hard copy yet. Um, some of us have the the ebook and I started reading it, but how are you feeling right now as someone who just published? That is such a good question. Um, I actually feel really excited and incredibly curious. So in, in a lot of ways, I've moved through all that self-doubt and angst in the writing period. And I really feel like I've come through to like a really easeful place that doesn't mean that I won't have moments when I'm showing up with the book in public where I doing things I haven't done before, where I feel that uh, whisper of self-doubt kind of showing up. But I really feel that, you know, the voices in the book do a lot of the, the heavy lifting for me. So there are 15 artists in this book, including my own story that sort of illustrate this, this journey that we all can take, uh, through um, big life change and the path that follows. So, you know, one thing that I just want to clarify to our listeners, uh, because I know that that there are people that put together compilation books, right? Like there are people that um, that pay 
to be part of a compilation where a lot of different people get to have a chapter, right, in the book. I was in one. And I want to just clarify for our listeners that that's not what this is, right? right? So even though there are 15 artists represented in this book, they are interviewed in the book. But this is Naomi's book. Naomi wrote this book. And I just want to say that because I know that nowadays it's a little popular for people to kind of like get to publish a book in that compilation form, which is great. It's how I'm able to say I'm a published author, but I just want to, you know, want to celebrate and honor the fact that you actually wrote this book. This isn't like you handed off the chapters to these other people. Yeah, right. So the, the kind of nugget for the book um, came um, after my husband died, I, about two years after I had started to write some of the the experiences I was having and having studied performance um, throughout my life, um, particularly performance art, I was able to show up in a public setting with some of that performance material I had written about some of the, you know, scary, thrilling, messy things that happened, hence, hence the title. Um, but I, I, really wondered and marveled at my courage to step in front of an audience with such personal material. And these were things that I hadn't even really told my therapist. So why in, why publicly did I have the courage to grapple with difficult things that I couldn't do in a more intimate setting? And I that sort of launched me on a research project to talk to other artists in particular about their big life change experiences and how they grappled with the confusion and uncertainty, the scary, thrilling, messy stuff in between. So there's so many different um, ways that this conversation can go. When I was preparing and thinking about what we should talk about, I I literally felt like, oh my God, maybe we have to do like a three-part episode because there's so much. And I just want to I think we're going to be able to touch on a bunch of things. And I would like to maybe just sort of like presence us all to what I, what, what's about to, you know, what, what's about to transpire. So number one, I, we're going to talk about um, what you do, like what kind of coach you are. Cause I think that's really important um, and how you became a coach. Um, number two, I want to also just talk about the, just the, um, the similarities in you and I and what we, you know, like, like, you know, you, you already knew what you were coaching on. Like, you know, you were, you were one of the few people that was kind of clear on your niche, like, you know, or at least like, I know we refined and shaped a lot of, you know, like kind of your, your, your offer and all of that. And, and, you know, your pillars that are in the book emerged out of our work together, which is so exciting. But but you already knew who you worked with. And when we met, I don't know if you remember, but when we, you know, we were, uh, uh, let me tell the audience also that we have like this other history, right? Because the way that I met Naomi is her friend from sleepaway camps, older sister is one of my best friends from sleepaway camp. So we all went to the same sleepaway camp, but just at different um, times, I'm a little older than Naomi, but we have this like we have this like sleepaway camp connection, which is awesome. And right. And so you were recommended to me and we had that first conversation. And I remember right then and there being like so excited about working with you because you 
you come from a very similar, like, you know, place as me. And we have not the same experience, like who we lost and, 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 and how it impacted us, but our, we both ended up being people who had this passion to talk about change. And we use some of the very same language and phrases, you know, and we always have. So it's not like I feel like, you know, all of a sudden you've morphed into me. That's not what happened. (laughs) So we're going to talk about that. Um, And obviously we're going to talk about the book. Um, And I also, you know, want to talk about you as a person because everything that passionate and prosperous, like when I say my brand or, you know, what the show is about and what I coach on and whatever, everything about what I try to, you know, to, to bring to everyone in the way of like how we can think about our life journey and everything. You are the epitome, right? There's every once in a while I meet someone who's like the living, breathing, you know, you're doing it right? Like you're doing it. And so many of the people that come to me and that I work with, it, it, it's, you know, they struggle with the doing it. And so I'm so excited for you to be here as like the living, breathing example of someone who's, who's doing it. So we've got all of that to cover. All right. So we're going to do our best. So let's start with, um, you already mentioned that your husband passed away. Um, do you want to, tell us a little bit because you became a coach after that, right? So do you want to tell us a little bit about like this, like the journey? Yeah, I can tell you a little bit about that, that coaching journey too. Um, So I started coaching with one of the first coaching companies that were available to us in New York in around 2002. And at that point, I had been working in nonprofits as a development director, and I realized that I liked working with the young, then younger, younger than I was then, I was in my 30s, people who would come to work for me who wanted more than just a good performance review. They wanted coaching on their whole life. You know, they were working for me for not a lot, and they had a lot going on. They were creating things and working full time. And that's when I was in a Whole Foods, and a girlfriend of mine who was in Um, my performance studies master's program with me said, have you ever heard of coaching? And I hadn't. And she said, you'd be really good at that. So I looked into that and I wound up doing uh, the coach training through um, that coaching company. And, um, but I was afraid for a long time to step fully into coaching. I had the imposter syndrome in a very big way. I was a person, like Stacey said, I'm really good at doing, but there was a ceiling on my doing. And I really realized that being observed when I didn't feel expert enough was paralyzing. And I found a million workarounds. I mean, I found a million workarounds. I ran writing workshops. I created my own nonprofit. I mean, I did everything but have a commitment to this coaching process until my husband died. And when he died, I had about eight years of of growth and recovery where I really dove deep in. And one of the biggest obstacles in my way to my own liberation, which is one of my first pillars from the limiting beliefs that I didn't even know I had, was learning how to communicate authentically without fear. And that was my biggest learning curve. And I dove in, once I saw that, I could put my doer's hat on and dive in again and again until I started to see 
that I had liberated, really, 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 truly liberated myself from um, fear of separation and rupture in my life. And that was where the inspiration underneath this book came from, um, that I, I, I really don't want anyone else to have to suffer alone in confusion for too long. There's a way to learn how to reach out and help yourself move through some of these difficulties so that you can learn and grow even while you're uncomfortable. Mm. So I think so many people listening will really, um, I would imagine some of them actually got stuck on the part where you said that you did your coaching training, but then like was paralyzed from actually using it or doing it and found all the workarounds. I bet you so many people listening only heard that part. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, because I think it's really common. I want to, uh, so, so let's take this one step further because this, I, I do think is a big part of the book, right? And, and a big part of the work that you help um, your clients with, which is um, you talk a lot about this and I, and this is just, this is something I relate to so well as well. And what I, you know, what I feel like is what made me become a coach, but there's this thing that happens when we do experience some sort of like big change. Right. And I always, I always try, I always feel like I'm like, I have to like kind of give all of the, I have to say it's the changes that like we didn't want or expect. Right. Like for you, your husband dying, my father dying when I was 19, totally unexpected and felt like, you know, these feel like these things that happen and, and when they happen, it feels like they happen to us. Right. And then of course, when we become coaches and we go through all of our work, we learn how to say, these are things that didn't happen to us. Right. But so there's that. And then there's a lot of people out there who want to make change. So it's like, it's a choice and yet it still feels so daunting or it's that they're, they're so unhappy or wanting something more and they're just afraid to make that change. So Either way, the thing that we know about change is that it forces you to like up level your identity or to re it's not like you have to look at who you are and think that who you are sucks or that you've been like, or that you're a disaster, but there is a need to kind of like to evolve your identity, right? Anytime we have to either deal with suffer through or make a change there's an identity piece. And you talk about that a lot because your clients are artists and creators who tend to get like kind of thwarted or, or stuck or confused when there's major change or transition. And all of a sudden they don't know who they are when they're making their work. Am I, am I, am I kind of articulating this the right way? Yeah, it's great. I love it. So the book is actually broken up into these chapters uh, that reflect exactly what you're saying. So sometimes a a change occurs because from the outside, it's either a crisis, like a death can be drug addiction. Like my husband was an alcoholic. Um, It can be depression. It can be um, disease. It can be a downsizing, (laughs) moving into a new house as I have, or empty nesting. I had a client today who's really feeling that um, in a profound way. It's triggering all sorts of past grief and and things like that. So it can be as a result of a crisis. It can be as a result of an opportunity that feels too big. It's like that whole uh, feeling the imposter. Oh my God, they really like me. They really like me, right? Or it could be um, 
a provocation. Some when you when you pro- decide that you've met your threshold for suffering and you're ready to provoke a change. And no matter what, just as you rightly said, then you embark on the artist's journey, which is um, full of uncertainty. And so we're really tested there about how much we can tolerate not knowing because it's in the unknowing that's that's inherently creative. So there's a purpose and a function to uncertainty. And the, 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 premise of the book really is that I believe artists have a facility with the unknown because they have to face the empty stage page or canvas when they show up for something. So in a way it's a, it's just a a shift and an opportunity to really mine this time. And as long as you know where you are in transition to know you're somewhere, not nowhere, you can really feel and gather support around you to make the most of a period of time where the path is all there is. Well, it's also almost like you can decide that you, you can decide that you don't know, right? Like there's that there's, you could just walk around in the like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Or you can, decide to get curious, right? The more that we, that we say, I don't know, we're just kind of affirming that we're just going to, we're just going to stay where we are. But the moment we open up curiosity, then we're like, I wonder what, I wonder what I can do, you know? And so true. So yeah, true. I want to ask you about creativity. Just, this might be a, a little side, but it's just funny because I just had this thought that so many people, when they come to work with me, one of the first things that they tell me about themselves, like it's almost like they're reporting on themselves, is they make sure to tell me that how they're not creative. I'm not creative. I'm not really creative, right? And and I I always say like, but that's not true because human beings are creative. And I think that a lot of people associate the word creativity with something artsy, right? Where it means like you've got to be creating you know, work like a, like a painting, you know, or like, you know, and I think a lot of people just think that that's the word, but then I always say to people, creativity is about problem solving and human beings, right? So can you talk a little bit about like, I know your clients are really artists, but I want to hear you talk a little bit about creativity for just like everyone listening who has this idea that they can't write an email or they don't know what to post on social media or they don't know how to like, you know, because everyone listening wants to put themselves out there. I love that you started with this mantra that so many of us have at some time, which is, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. This sort of pressure to have the answer. And the truth is, if we just quiet all the I don't knows, the answer is there, it's in there. Um, And it's only by quieting the the noise of our our thoughts that are marshaled when we sense a threat, like whether it's our growth that feels threatening to someone else or to some identity that we had, or there's a real threat, or there was a real threat in our past. Whenever we're triggered, we have to look at our relationship to change, which is also looking at our relationship to fear and to what we perceive as threat. Once we can really look at what we're afraid of, we can become conscious and aware of our choices. It doesn't happen instantaneously. We have to work over time at being able to build our skill awareness of awareness. And then when we can become aware 
of what we're afraid of, we can move from unconscious operation to conscious choice. And that conscious choice makes you the creator of your life. That gives you the opportunity to make choices, to play with options. So in the book, there are my pillars. And Stacey and I did where I had, this was not my first uh, set of pillars. Um, I myself wasn't used to really um, codifying what I did. I was just a person who helped people and I was a coach who went through things. But codifying the the pillars in the most organic way um, was really made possible by going through this process on the book and hearing so many artists' stories. So that first pillar, Liberate, has everything to do with um, lifting the veil on the stories that we've told ourselves our whole lives and really becoming aware and self-compassionate about what's going on underneath. What are we afraid of? Um, then we really have to listen. We have to, instead of, I don't know, I don't know, we have to listen in order to navigate, which is the second pillar, through each step we take to, to tap into our intuition. I mean, there was a point in one of my, uh, after my husband died about two years out, I had been working so hard on uh, setting boundaries because I was a codependent at that point, really activated in my my trying to avoid separation rupture. And it showed up like um, uh, being uh, very, accom- uh, you know, hyper accommodating, overperforming, um, but uh, also feeling really disconnected and from my body. And that's where so much knowledge is. And I had this like epic epic communication fail. And I've had a massive shame spiral. And it was like, how could this happen after I spent so much time, years working with my therapist and going to workshops and figuring it out. And then it just really humbled me to know how deep it goes, some of these triggers and older wounds. Um, And that, that work to listen to my body, which was screaming at me to pay attention in that particular scenario. My mouth was getting dry. I was talking quickly. Um, I was um, saying yes to things without uh, really giving myself time to consider the impact, not only on me, but my family. I mean, it was an epic step backwards. And I immediately reached out for more guidance and more help. But I was able to because I, at that point, I had really shored myself up. Um, But it's that listening to your body and intuition is part of the real training that we have to go through. And that is enables our self-compassion. We can really sense what our inner wisdom wants to say, where our heart wants to lead us. And then we can bring a lot of care and kindness to ourselves. So those first two pillars are really important to make progress at all. So why don't we do this? Because I I think, um, you know, we may have some new listeners um, for your for this episode, because obviously you're going to tell people that you were on a podcast. Um, so we may have some listeners who have never listened to me and the show or who don't know um, what I teach and coach on. So Naomi keeps referencing her pillars. And just uh, for those of you who have listened or if you're new, so one of the things that I teach, um, and that's kind of a foundation of how I support my clients is that, you know, we uh, make sure that you know what your signature transformational system is or your pillar framework, which is one of the first things that we do together. Um, And it's kind of like where your content and your offers are built out of. Now, what's interesting about 
when Naomi and I met, um, she was already, you know, had a bunch of clients. She had been coaching. She was already experiencing, you know, a degree of success in her coaching business, but knew that she, she wanted to sort of like get more, I think a good word is to to feel more in control, right? At that time, it was like clients were coming here and there, but no one likes that feeling of like, I have clients, but I don't feel like they've been referrals or they're people that I knew, but I don't know how to go to my next level where I'm attracting brand new people because I'm putting out the right message, right? And so that's kind of where I entered your world. And so the work that we, but we didn't have to really, we, you had so much going on. You were already like doing live workshops, places, you know, you were doing talks. So that's the beauty of when I work with people is like, I, we, we get together wherever you are in your journey and we just start figuring out what you need right now. And we didn't really, when you were writing the book is when I, you know, I remember being like, I think that something that's going to anchor the book to tell me if you have the same recollection, but I remember there being a point where you were interviewing all the artists and, you know, you were thick in the thick of it. And I remember this session where I was like, I think that what needs to tie the book together or what's going to make this like a book that's going to let people know what you do with your clients, which is really important. Like anyone who's listening to our show wants to be someone who's out there, you know, working with people, being either a coach or a wellness professional or some sort of service-based entrepreneur. And, and anything that you put out into the world, me, the podcast, you know, Naomi's book, your content, your workshops, your talks, whatever you create, ultimately what we want those things to do for you is attract clients. So we're going to be very transparent right now and say, Naomi wrote this book, for her business, for her life, to share her story, but ultimately because the right, she wants the right people to find her and then hopefully step into her coaching program and work with her. Right. Okay. So we got to this point where I said, if that's what you want from the book and you don't want it to just be an inspiring book, right? Cause we want it to be inspiring, but if you want it to be a book, that's going to make someone go, I got to I've got to work with this Naomi woman, right? There needs to be that underlying, we need to know your framework. We need to know how you help people. And that's what a framework is, a pillar framework, a signature system. And I remember the moment where I said, Naomi, we need for that to be in the book. Like it needs to feel like the underpinnings or the thread, right? That ties everything together so that we know like what each one of these stories is kind of like, you know, how it's taking us on a transformational journey. So before we go any further, can you just say the pillars? Can you like walk us through? I know you already said liberation and navigate, but let's just give everybody an overview so that they're not only hearing the first two pillars. Yeah, that's so that's great. I def I will. Um, The, you know, it was, I was probably the the first client that really wrote the anti-coaching book. I, I felt like my, I was afraid to even come out with my cover. It's, I, I really did resist like making it a coaching book. It's so funny. And I don't know um, why that was other than I was so focused on serving these artists stories. It was really labor intensive interviewing them, but really 
crafting the story from the interviews to reflect what they wanted to communicate and really truly what the crux of their learning journey was. And so for just for listeners, this was an a really originally an eight month book writing course. So it was all going to happen really fast. And it was somewhere in there where Stacy and I had this conversation and it did ultimately really help me um, interpret the stories for the reader and also for myself um, helped me um, deliver something that I think has more value to anybody who reads it. So I'm really, I'm really pleased that we, we, we tackled those pillars again. Um, so as I said, liberate and the key concept in liberate is just self-awareness and self-compassion navigate is listening to yourself and opening yourself to receive. So staying open, uh, to messages in your own intuition, Play is that beautiful curiosity and being able to experiment, to try, to just try new things. Um, Empower is part of the process where you'll see if you read this book and the stories where artists start to feel that they belong here. I belong here in this space. I belong here in this space as a coach. I belong here in this space as a writer. I am entitled to have some needs met here. And it's not the same for everybody, depending on your background um, and your life experience. So it can be a very powerful moment to feel that empowerment. And in Empower, you are able to declare yourself and your intention and your commitments. You're able to share your brilliance and your resources and to resource yourself, which is absolutely critical in my, my coaching and my experience and the final pillar is, is flourishing. It's this feeling I have now having come through this sort of ardor of creating the book and struggling with all the self-doubt and who I am as a coach and who am I am, am as an artist and as a woman um, uh, who has experienced this great loss and has raised children and all of that on her own, um, that you trust yourself. You really trust that it's going to be okay. You trust the universe, that it'll do its part. And in flourishing, you are just creating a runway where you can continually uh, instill and integrate all your learning. And ultimately, the fun part, which is to celebrate, to celebrate all that you've done. It's really important. It's it's. And coaches will, I mean, coaches who are listening know that um, it's hard to take people up into a celebratory place, just as hard, um, sometimes as painful as it is to go into the deep wound because it's so vulnerable to feel joyful. So that's an important thing to learn too in flourishing. Yeah. When I listen to you walk through those pillars, I, I, I when in flourish, I just keep you know, what comes up for me is that thing that, you know, and you know, my last pillar of my evolve system is embody. And I kind of feel like they're very similar in that it's sort of, and then, you know, I always reference yoga and the the last pillar of yoga is called samadhi, which kind of um, means like this kind of like, it's this transcendence of the thinking mind. And I feel like I feel like it's like everything that you described and what I try to encapture and everything, it has everything to do with where you get to this place where, where you're just fully, you're just able to just be 
right? It's like a being. It doesn't mean that everything's perfect. It doesn't mean that you don't still have a, a struggle. It doesn't mean that working isn't hard. It doesn't mean that birthing a, you know, uh, a, a creative thing isn't going to still have its challenge. Like none of that changes, but your relationship to it changes. And you're like, and your, your willingness to, um, to not see every little thing that happens in life as like, kind of like as, as, as a determining factor of your, right. You're, it's, it's this, this, like, like you said, it's this faith, this trust that things are unfolding as they should. Right. Even when they kind of fucking suck. Right. Yes. Yeah. I love that. It's like the faith and hope is that intangible um, sort of magical alchemy that happens when you go through the system, these systems, you know, when you take your time to go through a process, which, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention grief in this. And there is a whole chapter on grief in, in this book that, uh, that really celebrates, you know, uh, creative engagement with time in grief, time with grief. There is an artist in this book and her name is L.M. Feldman. She's a playwright and she, her life really blew up during the pandemic. Her longtime partner um, and her split up and she, all her work dried up. She was a theater artist, a playwright, nothing. Communities gone, relationship gone. Um, and work completely dried up. And she was, she was deeply grieving and she couldn't write. She couldn't write even a word, nothing literary. She didn't even want to write. And there's so much beautiful, rich detail in her story. But um, one piece was that she decided that she would journal her experience over a course of about 190 days. And she identified that number of t- number of days because she estimated that was about the time it took to heal from an injury, from uh, a trapeze injury that she sustained because she was also a trapeze artist. And so she, she, she decided over that time that she would um, create an Instagram journal and she cho- chose to take photos every day to represent a state of mind that she was in and write just a few words. And she did that. And somewhere around like the 200th day, she woke up realizing that she had an inkling of desire to write a piece of dialogue. And that's sort of how it goes. You know, there are just so many days in between if we show up consistently and try to do something differently, then there's hope and promise that something will emerge. We will emerge. And that's creative. That's creativity. And the funny thing is, in the end, her agent said that uh, she'd been longing for her to write a two-person play for financial reasons, because she had written plays for so many characters in the past. And she realized at that point that she was perhaps ready to write a two-person play. That was really just a a beautiful... There are a lot of nuances to that story, but that is one, uh, one journey. And uh, where she really attended to her grief. You know, what I, what I, you know, what I just picked up on from that story was uh, the, and I think this is a really, really um, difficult thing for many people to embrace is, is the idea that sometimes 
the creation or the creativity isn't where you know, you don't know what you're creating first. And I think it's in that, what you just described, the just commitment to journaling every day or doing the Instagram and all of that. And then all of a sudden she had the inkling after X amount of time to what she was going to create. I think that a lot of the people listening can really relate to that pressure that we put on ourselves and, you know, like whatever it is to create. Like I know that I can sit down and, you know, and, and, and it could take me three hours to write one stupid email, like to my email list, you know, and I know that other people, you know, you know, go through, torture themselves to, to create posts for social media or whatever, you know, and then all the way up through writing a book or a play or making that painting. And there's something really interesting about the difference between sort of doing other things that open you up and allow for your creativity to flow versus trying to be creative. Right. There's kind of like like there's a difference between going in and being like, I must write the play, you know, and then sitting there and feeling tormented or going. I think there are these other actions, these other things that I could do that are going to give me access to, you know, or that or something's going to come through when I'm when I'm creating that space. Well, that's it right there. You just said it. it's like when you're creating the space, you know, this client I had today uh, is really deeply in grief um, after launching one of her, her kids to school. And there is this there are these voices in parts. If you're if you're interested in parts theory and that kind of thing, it's really interesting to imagine that, you know, there's a part of us that wants us to just hurry up and get over it already and get to work and, you know, keep going and we'll interpret everybody, anything anybody says to us is that we're not recovering fast enough. We're not doing the right thing. And then there's a part of us that wants to just crawl under the bed and not come out for a month. In between there is our awareness that both of those things can be happening at once, that we can hold both of those things at once. And that in order for creative choice to emerge op- options of creative in order for creative opportunity to emerge we have to stay open to all of it we have to be able to listen and reflect both parts that are activated both the fear um, and the kind of educator voice that says you must get back to work today and the part that doesn't want to um, when you when you stay open, then the ideas can flourish. When you don't stay open, then that's when you start to hear the I don't know, I don't know, I don't know voice. And um, that is just a it's a dream killer. And it's um, it, it cheats you of the opportunity to find out what's there in that mucky, murky discomfort of of grief. Yeah. You know, you said. Um... Uh, I think something that 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 uh, everyone will really resonate with also and that I really resonate with is the there can be both. I like to talk a lot about the simultaneousness of things and that um, it's never all one thing. And I think this um, so and so this is what I wanted to, you know, say is I think when people experience resistance and resistance can be 
you know, we, we, whatever's under the resistance, whether it's grief or, you know, whatever's causing us to want to avoid or resist doing or taking action, the crawling under the bed, right? Or, or the like the the total avoidance. And I think we all experience that. I mean, I sometimes experience it, you know, again, like for like a, for a period of weeks around knowing that I have to write a sales page or a landing page for an upcoming training. And I'm just like so resistant. And I think that we all experience resistance. And there's something very important about when you're experiencing it, two things can happen. One is you can focus so much on how bad it is that you're experiencing, that you're resisting, that, that it'll, you know, it'll, it'll actually become worse, right? It's like you fixate on the thing or you can recognize resistance as that it's just there, it's going to be there and it's okay. And you can be curious about like when, when it's going to lift or what you might do to shift it. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's not thinking that there's something wrong with the resistance. It's, it's going, oh, resistance is going to be there. And so it's all about like what I decide how I'm, what I'm going to do about it. I mean, resistance is like, an invitation. If you notice resistance, there's some surrendering that needs to happen. Oh, because yeah. unless you get, unless you can allow for that feeling state to occur that you're resisting, you can't get past it. It's like, I just moved, you know, and it was super, it was so overwhelming to move from this house, from this larger house to a smaller space. And, you know, um, I, was unpacking, you know, and my teenagers were only so involved, shall we say, in the labor of setting, like leaving and setting us up. And I needed to stop. Like the second day, I really had to stop. I was, I had exhausted myself really. And I went into the woods for two hours and just let myself grieve. Um, It just opened up that well. I was saying to a client, you know, that grief isn't a silo, it's a well. It connects to all the grief that we have and all the grief in the world if we let it, you know, and sometimes we have to allow it. And once you allow it space, you feel better, (laughs) you feel better and you can be more in choice. And actually the choice for me was to actually not unpack for two days and just allow myself to do other things and then get back to it. So, but I wouldn't, if I kept pushing and resisting the resistance, I would have continued to suffer. Right. And being like, and punishing yourself for feeling resistance to unpacking versus just going, fuck it. I'm, I, I'm just not going to unpack for two days and nothing bad's going to happen. The world's going to keep going and my, and my business isn't going to shut down and, right. you know, my children are still going to buy my book. Exactly. Exactly. So, and that's, this is a really great transition because I, I, I want to, you know, obviously it brought you in because I want to feature the book and talk about the book. I want everyone to buy this book. Um, as I said, I started reading, or did I say that? I'm not all the way through it because it literally just came out, you guys. Like it's still an ebook, right? So, so we have the ebook, and I went away this weekend, so I wasn't reading all weekend. So I, I started the book, and just in the first, literal, I'm not even gonna lie, like in the preface, I actually was like, I've been working with you, Naomi, for like we've been working together for well over a year. Um, you know, we're in our, we're, we're, we're definitely like you know, at the end of our second year or something like that. Um, and, and, and I never heard this, the, I never heard the story of, of your husband's. I never heard that story, like, like in as much detail. And I was reading it and I was just like, 
I mean, and your writing is so beautiful. So anyway, so first and foremost, everybody, like, you got to get the book. We're going to tell you how to get it at the end. But I also want, you know, I also want to talk about some other stuff that I know is so going to be so inspiring and valuable for the audience. So so here's the two things I want to make sure that we cover. Number one, I I want to talk about how, you know, just what you just shared you know, you sold the house that you've been living in forever with your two kids. You got your daughter off to college all while writing this book or having it finalizing the book, like just this summer, the final editing, the publishing, whatever, the setting up of your own, you know, little mini book tour that's going to be coming up, Um, you know, sending your daughter off to to college, having a son that like, you know, plays sports and does all kinds of things, Um, packing the house, finding a new place to live, selling your house and moving and also having a thriving coaching business because you've got lots of clients and um, and you have a coaching business. And I just I just feel like and this is not to put anyone down. Okay, if you're listening, this is not to make you feel anything wrong. But my whole reason for becoming a coach, (laughs) right? And I end every episode saying life is hard. So what are you going to do about it? My whole reason for becoming a coach was because like, I have, I feel like I've had many times like, like that in my life. I don't have kids. So minus that part, but I feel like I've had many times in my life where there was a lot of shit going on. And at the same exact time, I was still doing my my work or I was putting out a one woman show or I was starting this podcast or I was, and simultaneously there was fertility treatments failing in the background or my mom was having like, you know, massive health crisis after massive. And I was moving my mom to another state and packing up her place, not mine. Uh, And, and I think that like when people come to work with me so often, they are so caught up in, how hard it is to either have a full-time job while trying to start a coaching or, you know, service-based business, or they've got kids and, 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 and they feel guilty or they don't know how to manage it or, or they, they, they criticize themselves or, or, you know, feel shitty about themselves because they're not perfect. And because it does feel like a lot and they do get a little overwhelmed. And instead of being like, okay with that, they beat themselves up about it. So I want to talk about what an unbelievable, I want, we have to talk about this because (laughs) because I want people to see, you know, I want people to hear about that from you and because they hear about it from me, but I want them to hear about it from someone else. Cause I don't want anyone ever walking around being like, well, Stacey, you know, I don't know. You're (laughs) some sort of like special person who knows how to like manage too much shit at once. I'm not. I love it. Um, Yeah, I hear that a lot myself. I think um, so the biggest challenge that I had to overcome in order to balance or I don't balance. uh, Let's get that straight. First of all, no, there's no balancing. But in order in order to sustain a certain harmonic state, most of the time, I allow myself to fail. And fail isn't, the, isn't a great word for me because I really don't 
um, think in those terms, but a lot of people do. Most of us do. Our, uh, our society likes Yeah, to so what do you mean by that? Like, because I also I mean, talk about like, how there's no such thing as failure. So what do you yeah. mean you allow yourself to fail? So it means that, like, well, it's funny. I mean, one of the first things I decided when I had kids was, and I wanted to start a business, was that I would leave dishes in the sink every morning. There's no cleaning the kitchen after children leave because, sorry, I just bonked the table. There's no cleaning the kitchen after children leave because that time is going to mess with my mojo to get started for the day. And that's sacred. So it is about holding what you want to achieve is sacred. How do you commit to that is somewhat of a mystery. I mean, the truth (laughs) is most people don't want to change. They don't want to grow. So you have to have a come to Jesus moment about do you really want to grow? If you really want to grow, then laundry may not get done on time, but it does get done. Children may have you know, more of a messy this or less of a blah, blah, of that or whatever it is in, in my case. Or, um, I mean, listen, I have to do a photo shoot soon. And the guy's like, you know, we'll do different looks. I'm like, I have one look right now. And it's basically <laughs> like hobo, like suburban woman. I, I don't, oh I, I have no, I have nothing. I have, I have no look. So that's part of, that's what's happening there behind the scenes. But I, it's okay. Okay, I just want to say for everyone, well, everyone will see your picture and they will see the reels. And I'm just going to say, Naomi, that there there's never a moment that I would ever describe you as a hobo. Just so you know, we don't, I mean, there's no hobo happening. I know. I mean, oof, you know, yeah, I just, I... There's a lot that has gone by the wayside, but I'm really okay. I'm super gentle with myself about a lot of things. And that's a practice that has uh, evolved over time. So when, so really I believe now, I mean, this is part of the coaching work we all do. Like I actually truly believe that something wonderful will happen. And that right now is actually really beautiful. Like I am a, a person my mother used to say, well, she doesn't get that from me, which was meant to refer to the fact that I tend to see things as a half full view. I tend, when I take a walk or any, I tend to see things that are beautiful and pleasurable and I can focus on the present moment. That and doesn't do you feel mean like that that's a practice that you, do you, that's one of the choices we're talking about, right? I mean, don't you think yeah, that that's, I mean, it's, it's intentional? It is. You have to be able to let go of what was in the past, even just moments ago when you left the house and try to intentionally bring your attention to the present. And, you know, it's come up actually a lot recently, this idea, uh, maybe in my coaching or with us, but when we surprise ourselves, when we kind of amaze ourselves with our own progress because it's it's subtle. It's subtle when when you make these shifts and you take small steps every day. There's this subtle shift where you sort of go, "Wow, I I actually created this thing." Or actually, it took me less time to recover from upset than it ever has before, and that's different. So I think those are the small wins that outweigh any. Um, sort of concept of failure and that failure itself is an invitation to uh, open up to 
a new choice, new fertile ground for possibilities. Because really, guys, I mean, nothing different happens if you think you know everything and that but, everything but here's- is good. Here's what I'm hearing. And I, and, and, you know, we, like, I, like, I know you, I feel like I know you pretty well. Um, but I think that something that would help everyone listening is I, I want to just sort of kind of take what you just said and, and maybe say it to our listeners in a really very Stacy and SBR direct way, which is, I think that what you just said is there's no room for worrying about being a perfect anything. So for all of my clients who've got kids, this is really interesting because I don't have kids. And I always say like, there's certain things that I only can really, like I can only speak to, to the fact that I have a lot of clients that do, right? And friends that do. I mean, I'm, I'm the aunt to many, many people. Um, but you can't, if you're worried about being a perfect parent, for example, it's going to interfere with you also doing your work, right? Because you're always going to find a reason that there's something else that you should be doing in order to be so perfect, right? And what I heard you say literally by saying, I made a decision that I can leave dishes in the sink so that I don't waste these like moments that I can have my mojo and, you know, I, I want everyone listening to just that's if that's the biggest piece of advice that you take, leave your fucking dishes in the sink or use that as a metaphor for like your kids are going to be your kids are going to be OK. Like, you know, like you, you don't have to be there's no such thing as being perfect. There's just do your shit, you know, and like so I love that. Um, I love that. Leave your dishes in the sink. Yeah, there's so much fear around, you know, we. In the book, in the book, I I talk about how you can't just do change. You can't just decide. Someone can't just come up to you and say, just do it. Do it already. You you really. Except Nike. Nike. Except Nike Nike can say, just do it. Right. (laughs) It's like, yeah, we all get to the gym, don't we? All the time. Yeah. It's like that gym membership. I literally just suspended the other day. I was like, you know what? I'm just not coming right now. I, I may come again. You're like, I'm just going to be real. Right yeah. <laughs> so um, it's hard work. It is hard work. It takes perseverance. And then you cultivate resilience and fortitude and all that good stuff. And you have to be willing to try to tolerate that discomfort in small bites. You don't necessarily want, if it really makes you nuts maybe start with something smaller than the whole sink being full of dishes, but asking your children to fold their clothes or allowing, you know, there's so many stories like that over the years now um, of, of kind of staying on your own side of the street when it comes to to your, your um, experience of other people's mess and other people's lives. And it always goes back to how you, what you identify with. So your identity as a parent, your identity as a caregiver, as a coach, or any of that, we're always having to manage our own stuff in order to show up pure, you know, as pure as possible. You know, of course, I want to fix and save and mend everything. and But at the same time, who am I serving if I'm doing that? And it's really more about me than about them. Um, and so... I think there's a lot to be said for taking the small steps to um, make some space for yourself to, to fail. 
Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about one more thing um, that I know everyone's going to be really excited to hear. Um, You are, of all my clients, you are, like, to me, the shining example of someone who, now, you're on social media, like, so, you know, you you also have made great reels and, you know, you're on social, so we're not going to say that you're not on social, but you're one of my clients that has really, really utilized. Um, sometimes I talk about what levers we can pull in our business, right? I always talk about like, you know, we have all these different levers and like for success. And one of the levers is doing workshops and talks, but I also make a distinction between, you know, the online world, the social media world, the online world, it's a slow fucking burn people, right? Like we talk about this all the time. Like when people start their businesses and they think all they have to do is go onto Facebook and, you know, make an announcement post to all the people that already are following them on Facebook, which is mostly they're like friends from college and family and they make an announcement and then they're really disappointed that like their business doesn't, you know, all of a sudden there aren't all these people flooding, you know, the inbox and being like, sign me up, you know? Um, so the online world is really slow growth. Right. And, um, and, and so I encourage my clients to create, you know, opportunities for people to experience them, to do talks, to do workshops. And then for you, you've really, really, um, really managed to do a lot of in-person stuff, which has moved the needle really fast. That's first of all. So I want to talk about that. And second, the thing, part of this related to this is you also are, and I know it takes a lot because we talk about it, but you are amazing at outreach and leveraging every contact. I mean, even just getting the people for this book, I know you stretched yourself outside of your comfort zone to reach out to artists, some people that you didn't even have a direct relationship with, right? And I just, I love that you are someone who does the things that, that I think a lot of people are scared to do, which is to, you know, reach out try to get booked somewhere, you know, pitch yourself, leverage your relationships, um, and then go out there and you've created so many clients from your workshops and talks. And this is the model of my business, right? This is what I teach everyone to do is to create workshops and talks and, and experiences because when people get to experience you, there's, it's like, it's, it's like 10 times accelerates the speed of building that no love and trust. And, and that makes someone want to like take the next step to book that discovery call and talk to you. Um, so I'm going to get selfish right now because I want the listeners here to hear you talk a little bit about how you've grown your business this way. I mean, how many clients did you get from your last in-person workshop? <laughs> right. So I got three and it was a, only eight people in the workshop. And that was a really important reminder because I think you and I had a conversation like very shortly before then about don't fall off the horse of organic marketing, Naomi. Like it's going to be okay. Um, because I too felt like I wanted to move the needle faster. Um, and this was sort of the proof in, um, the, 
the the method here, which is that, you know, I'm able to reach out to people to book gigs. Like this gig in particular was at a, a writer center, um, and I've maintained a relationship. They've had many directors since I first moved into proximity to this writer center. But over the years, I've maintained a curiosity. I've offered various things over the years without an attachment. And um, and I try to pitch something that is really meaningful, like I'm really, truly passionate about and also I think is a good fit. But there is something, there's a willingness in me to connect with acquaintances and friends of friends and cold call um, to explore the possibilities. There's just a, a willingness. I mean, I was a fundraiser for the bulk of my career. So I am practiced at reaching out to people to ask them for money. Yeah, but um, I'm going to interrupt you for a second because I just want you to go back for a minute because what do you think, though, allows you to be comfortable doing that? Like, I'm just curious for our listeners too. I, I haven't, I have a thought, but I want to first yeah. hear from you. Well, I'm not going in thinking about what they can do for me. You know, I'm sort of going in um, really with a generous spirit and um, a collaborative mindset and, um, you know, sort of a gentle approach to um, co-creating something together. It's not like, you know, here, do this for me and this will be the outcome that benefits me. But also it's like, I think that's what gets you out of that fear, right? Because everything you just described is that like your whole approach is like, how can I serve you? Yeah. Yeah. How can I be of value to your audience? Like bring me to your space and, and I'll provide value. I have something to share. And that's really, I think, such a huge mindset shift that takes that takes away all of that fear of being salesy or the fear of of reaching out and what other people are going to think and all of that. It's like it's like when you root yourself in in value, in service, in collaboration. It's like those those th- things can't exist at the same time. So when you when you fill yourself with that, they override the fear of what other people will think or that they're going to think you're being salesy or that, you know, or, or, you know, or that you're like pitching yourself. And I think another important thing, right. It's true. You're pitching yourself as a human is almost like a friend, you know, you're sort of being like, you're being sensitive. And the, but the other thing is, you know, you, you want to maintain your relationships over time in the most authentic way possible, because they will bear fruit. When you do the exercises with Stacy, when I've done them for myself or my clients, and you look at your, I don't know, coaches call them all sorts of things, but you're like circle of influence or your, your advisory council or your, you know, um, your, your tribe, your various people. You know, when is the last time you reached out to anybody who actually gave you a nugget of, of gold one day, you know, and it's important to reach out when you're also offering something that you don't require, uh, doesn't require them hiring you, you know? So a lot of these great gigs that I've, that I'm getting for the tour are coming after several years, if not even more of just real authentic 
relationship building. And that really, really helps. That really, really helps. Um, I just got an offer to do a book event at a venue that has been many years in the making and, and developed a friendship as a result because I've showed up to be helpful in other ways. I've showed up to their events. I've, you know, you really have to show up. It's time consuming, but this it's is beautiful. huge. This is organic. I mean, again, this is not, when we say this is organic business strategy, that's not to sound like, make it sound like it's manipulative or whatever, but it's what organic strategy is. It's about, it's about the slow build of relationships and one person at a time, whether it's the clients or that circle of influence, the partners, the people to collaborate with, the the BFFs, right? I call it your biz besties, or there's so many different kinds of people that we that we need to have relationships with if we want to have a business that where we don't start to resort to, you know, ads and and funnels and automations out of fear that we don't know where to get leads. Now, you know, generating leads for our business is probably, I said to someone the other day, it's the number one thing that's never going to change. Like we're always going to need to generate leads and how we do it is the difference between like all the different business coaches out there, you know, like someone's going to tell you to do cold DMs. Someone's going to tell you to spend a shitload of money on creating an automated funnel and run ads to it. And then there's me who's going to tell you, talk to people keep your, build your relationships, wake up every day and ask yourself, who can I reach out to? Whether it's client related or where can I book myself? Who, who can I reach out and ask if they've got, you know, if they want to like, you know, if there's a collaboration there or like, how can I help you? Who can I serve? Going to networking, all of that, you know, like community building. And I know that's a big part of what you also talk to your artists about, right? Is about sort of you know, yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I want everyone to be inspired by this because this is the real deal. Naomi makes so many clients and gets so many, creates all these opportunities, and it's all organic and it's all human centric. Yeah. And, you know, you got to listen, even showing up on this podcast, you know, I got a little overheated. I got a little, you know, it doesn't mean you're not going to be activated. You are. And that just means, that you're alive and that, you know, like one of the stories in my book and Stacy said it before, it's like, you have to hold both the excitement and the fear. And maybe you're, you're more excited than you're afraid right now, but you're feeling the feeling of being alive. And if you resource and support yourself with a coach, for instance, like I do, you know, you have somewhere to go at to process and integrate and interpret and celebrate um, so that you are truly flourishing. This is, this is the wonder of growth. Um, and you can only grow if you can accept that you don't know what the next day holds. And that can be a really exciting proposition if you reach a place where you are at ease with yourself in your commitment and desire to transform your relationship to fear and change. I also think, you know, this would this is a great sort of ending moment. But I think what you just said, you know, like we work together I always talk about how I have my coach. Um, I think that what you just said, though, is we, we're we better at it when we don't feel like we're alone. Like, I think that I think that being resilient and all the overcoming fear and, and all the intellect where we can tell everybody, change is going to feel like this and the unknown, you must embrace it and whatever. But I still think 
it's harder to do the embracing and the, and the doing and all that when you're by yourself. And that's why like in, you know, having our coaches, um, you know, I really believe that, you know, I don't wake up every day and think, oh, I'm a disaster. Um, and I, you know, I, that's, I don't have a coach cause I think I'm a, I'm a disaster. I have a coach because I actually know that like, if I'm not done, if I'm not done, right, which I'm not, you know, if I'm not done taking risks, doing big things, making big investments, trying new things, putting myself out there, you know, navigating life, which is constantly being life. It's never, you know, it's never going to just be like, holy shit, like there's not one thing now that I have to deal with. I'm just free and easy. And, you know, that with all that, like, I don't want to do it alone. And of course, like I've got my husband, I've got my friends, but it's really different when you have like your coach and your, you know, your, it's just different. Do you agree? I agree. I mean, you can create, I think I came to you just after or just before I quit my full-time job. So I, it was just yeah. before. Yeah. We were so together like, during it. Okay. So my husband had been gone for six years. I had reached that precipice where I, that threshold, I should say, where I, where I felt that I had to make a change. So I was one of those who provoked a change. So I had reached this threshold where I wanted to provoke a change. And I knew that I had to resource myself to the hilt. So I was plugging myself in to podcasts, to coursework, to everything that would continue to feed me with the messages of abundance and um, courage and other people's stories and all the deep learning that I knew in my heart was true, but all the, I was still overwhelmed by the fear thoughts that would, that would have kept me in that job. And I, and then I engaged Stacy and it was just, I had to like surround myself, plug myself in. So I do tell my clients, like, you have to make it a practice to immerse yourself in the community. And that doesn't just mean showing up physically with people or hiring a coach. It means everything you feed yourself needs to be in alignment with who you want to become because it is hard work and it's a lot easier to, in some ways to not do it. But if you can't accept, like I can't not exploring this and knowing who I am, if you can't accept not knowing who you are at the end of your days, then you will eventually either by crisis opportunity or by your own desire to grow, commit to making a change and moving through a period of transition to a place of new beginning. And that's something to celebrate. It it sure is. Oh my goodness, Naomi! I feel like we could talk forever, but of course we're not going to. Um, so we're gonna wrap things up. Uh, let's. I'm, I want you to tell everybody. So first of all, I'm gonna say again: buy Naomi's book. It's called Braving Creativity. Um, it's out in ebook. By the when you hear this episode, it's still available in ebook. Um, but Naomi's about to tell you what to do. What we want you to do is we want you to get on her email list. We want you to go to the link. She's about to tell you, sign up for shit. You can get free stuff, uh, from her. And then also that's how you'll know she's got this awesome little tour already going on. I'm like, like on our last session when she like outlined, like, I don't know, like six things. I was like, oh my God. So 
if you may you may be able to go to a book signing or a book event or something because she's coming to a city near you. <laughs> so, 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 you know, like I want you to get in on it. All right. So Naomi, tell everybody like what you want them to do. Okay. So it would be amazing if you could support me and the artist in this book and Purchase the ebook. There's a promotion for 99 cents for the next month. It's not public. I haven't launched the book yet. So this is just for people who are listening. The public launch is September 19th. And then the soft cover will be publicly launched on October 3rd. Um, there will be uh, events starting on September 19th. There'll be a virtual launch party. And then there'll be an in-person launch event. And I'm collaborating with another artist who has a big change story. And that'll be in the Hudson Valley. And that'll be followed by a launch event um, in person in the Hudson Valley, which is where I live. And then we're going to be hitting the road. We'll be uh, at sites in Philadelphia, in Maine, in Miami, and in LA through December. So that's all evolving in real time. So the details will be posted um, just just before the, the official launch in September. But in the meantime... BravingCreativity.com, B-R-A-V-I-N-G, creativity.com. And you can also download a free resource there if you want to get yourself started with the liberation uh, phase of the pillar system. And just let me know. Like if you can write a review in, in within the 30 days, I'd love to know, or you can DM me anything that resonated with you from the book. It's really meaningful to me and the artists in this book to have that feedback uh, so that we all know that we aren't alone. Everybody still needs to know that. And I hope you do get some value. So I can't wait to hear from you. So did you give a, a, a like spell out a link for us? The link is www.bravingcreativity.com. And that is where you can find out everything about the book and download your free resource and shortly you'll be able to buy the book. You can buy the book directly from Amazon now. If you just go to Amazon and type my last name or Braving Creativity, my last name is Vladek, V as in Victor, L-A-D as in David, E-C-K. And there's only one of me, so it'll show up right away. All right. Awesome. But really, if they go to bravingcreativity.com, that's going to be a hub. And then also they can get on your email list and that's what we want so that they can then find out about everything you just said with all those dates and whatever, um, get on the email list. And there will be some goodies. Yeah. So for people who give reviews in the first 30 days, there'll be some fun little prizes and there'll be incentives and things along the way. So head in early and make an impact. Yeah. And also, you know, who there's, there's going to be wait, you know, the events and, and online stuff and everything. So yeah, courses Naomi, to follow, et cetera. Yeah. Well, we're working on the course. It's we're working come on out the course. Soon. Yeah. I know we're working so, on my offer. You can tell. This <laughs> is having me work on my offer. It's all, there's a lot of moving parts. We're getting there. Yeah. You're amazing. So, um, thank you so much for coming and, and sharing and being with us here and being such an exemplary, um, passionate and prosperous, uh, human being, you're everything. Um, and you can meet Naomi live. If you come to passion and prosperous live in New York city, October 27th and 28th. So that's my plug, uh, for the event. And, um, we hope to see you there and that's it. We're going to sign off. And, you know, I think 
today more than ever, you should be really resonating with life is hard and there is always something you can do about it. So I'll be in your headphones next week. Um, Thank you, Naomi. And uh, that's it, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Passionate and Prosperous with me, Stacey Brass Russell. If you like what you're listening to, please make sure you're following or subscribing. And if you're on Apple, that's the little plus sign on the top right so that you get notified when new episodes drop every Wednesday. As always, I'm sending you love and high vibes. And remember, life is hard and there's always something you can do about it.